Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. everybody we are live for another episode of making it rain with the halfway point mid-season whatever you want to call it put your drinks up and put on your earphones because we got a good show for you guys tonight today with me everybody we got joe paterino and kiffin mcginnis how you guys doing real well Randon. how you doing fantastic man it's snowing out here in texas i know kiffin's getting a little bit of that that ice as well uh nothing to complain about since you're up in uh you know northern new york but uh it's uh, different for us yeah, just another day here for us. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Texans actually know how to deal with snow and ice. <laughs> it's like, like it's, it's a foreign concept for sure. I saw it was funny. I saw like uh, uh, something today. It was like you know, like Texans will do anything. Like yeah, like, just shoot it or just you know whatever, and like, they don't care. Like it doesn't matter. And then when it comes to ice, like let's shut down everything. Like we don't oh, yeah. know what's going on. It's like a foreign substance. Like let's just shut everything down. <laughs> Uh, I was cracking up about that. So awesome! It's it's good, guys. It's good. Yeah, I know the what the Pro Bowl like skills competitions tonight. Isn't the NHL one tomorrow? Isn't Kempe in the the fastest skater? Right? Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got to break. Uh, who who holds the record right now? Larkin, I think. Is it Larkin or is it McDavid? Oh, it might, it might be McDavid. I don't even I just I remember that. Larkin doing it. And I was blown. I was just like, oh my god, this dude is fast. <laughs> yeah, just one loose edge and yeah, you're done. What's kind of crazy to me is that I, I, I think now I could be sound like an idiot here, but I thought like recent years that Mike Gartner's what he did years and years ago, decades ago, still was among the the leaders. And when you think about 
how much the game has changed and how much players have changed and evolved and equipment for that matter. I mean, you hold skates today versus skates that Mike Gardner was wearing years ago. It's a totally different animal, but his, his number was still among the tops, at least in relatively recent years, which is pretty impressive. Well, you also had what Zidane Chara's <laughs> record for a long time, and that was early 2000s, I believe it was, and then Ferk beat it with a yep. 75 flex little child stick, and uh, <laughs> you know, just kind of it's just kind of crazy how that all works out. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it here, hey, Trapper. Welcome in, welcome in. Uh, so, uh, let's give a little update before we get into the midway point. Uh, upcoming games uh, Friday, Saturday uh, at Grand Rapids, so a little bit farther outside of the division there. Uh, but let's talk about division standing. So Heat right now are 24-7-3-1, 52 points. In the rain or right behind them at 51 points. So uh, definitely going to be a battle down the stretch there for the, the pride of the Pacific. Uh, the, the power plays were in first place with 27%. PK uh, eight, uh, eighth with 75%. So obviously if you've been listening in to Make It Rain, which I know you guys all have, you would know that our PK has been a problem. Uh, scoring leaders in the league, Tynan at second in the league with 46 points, Ferk at fourth and league with 39. So definitely some, uh, some leaders in the league. We're doing a well, a uh, good job in there. And, um, and so it's going to be a nice, interesting beginning part of the season, which we're going to break down in an exciting second part of the season. So let's get started right away. New additions. Oh, let me throw up that banner. Cause we, you know, we can't do this without the banners. That would be, uh, that's that why we're live. Very, that's why that's we're live. So let's, the new additions, boom, shrink us down. New additions up. come for. Yeah, so so how have the new additions? So meaning, uh, you know, either a, a rookie coming in or a person we traded for or signed. You know, how have they affected this team in this play? And like, so what have been some of your standouts? Uh, let me go with Joe on this one to start. So for those that don't know, when we do, when Randon and I we we, we record making it rain, we always have our kind of um, player of the week type of thing. And we always say, okay, we have to do it like minus TJ Tynan. I mean, I think for the obvious here, TJ Tynan is a, an MVP candidate yet again, and he's just been absolutely incredible. He has um, 46 points in 29 games played. He's he's one of the best players in the league. He's a dominant player. Night in, night out, he dominates every shift that he's on the ice. He makes everybody around him better. So I think – I hate to say it that way, just kind of flippantly, because it's almost as if you take it for granted, but he's obviously being the biggest impact new addition. Uh, from a rookie standpoint, man, how do you not talk about guys like Jordan Spence and Helgi Granz on the back end? Um, they've been really good. I think Tyler Madden's had a uh, – Tyler Madden did have a cup of coffee last year, but Spence and Granz have been really good. Um, and I'm just going to throw a shout to uh, a couple of veteran guys. And, I, and Braden Burke, I wouldn't say he's a – crazy old veteran he's in his mid-20s still but a new addition from the trade he's played up and down the lineup and has been very effective um and lastly i'll mention garrett sparks i think he's provided that kind of veteran presence for maddie volalta we had him on the pod volalta um uh, what about a month or two ago um and he mentioned he talked a bit about sparks so i'm gonna give him the nod as well but uh when it comes to the the top end producers you look at tynan and the and the rookies and spence and grunts they've been very impressive Kiffin, uh, do you have anything more to add to that, or do you want to just top it off? Or what has, what do you think? Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of where I was going was, uh, you know, newcomers, Garrett Sparks. Um, you know, I like to always mention the intangibles, the flow. The flow is excellent. Um, Great head you know, of lettuce his, on Sparks. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I think having that veteran presence, that ability to – to kind of hold it down in goals really great for him. And then Jordan Spence, like what, what is there to say about Jordan Spence as a rookie? I mean, my God. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been quite a few, and 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 so like you know, TJ Tynan, top two points in the league, over half uh, one and a half points per game. Um, and and I, I really think I, what I like about him is no matter who they put him with, whether you it's whether it's Burke or or whoever, like it, it, that whole line seems to flourish. Obviously, the second leader in points in the team is his uh, perennial pair in Martin Furk. Uh, but you have those kind of players. And I think my 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 second is going to be Madden. I know he technically isn't a new addition, but he still has rookie status just because of all the injuries he took last year. And so he was in line for the Hobby Baker in college, broke his finger, uh, took a massive hit last year out for most of the season. So we really didn't get to see uh, his his uh, ability there. And, you know, you're looking at uh, – I think he brought his game to the next level. So fourth on the team in goals – He's generating uh, over two shots per game. Uh, and I, what I like about him is he's leading the team in first uh, first goals of the game. So he's getting the team started off early uh, and coming in hot, you know, and, and those fast starts. And, and he has a lot to do with that. And his line mates have changed all year where you could say with Tynan and Firth, they've been with each other pretty much every game, have that continuity. Madden's been up and down the lineup with different centers, different wingers, uh, not to his fault, just because COVID or call-ups or what have you. And so... I want to give a shout out, man. Honorable mention. We all know it's Tynan just because, uh, you know, that kid's a stud. But, um, you know, Madden has done a great job. And I think kind of gets uh, a little bit thrown, not under the bus, but uh, under the radar with the fact that he is um, wasn't really seen much last year. And then Spence obviously is on uh, a world-breaking assist run right now, points, you know, points in uh, straight games. And you, you can't uh, uh, not talk about the rain with what he's done with the team. So, uh let's uh let's bring over some questions here tom coffee or tim coffee so how do the kings see tynan backup or a uh i can't i don't know squatter or ahl squatter or will he eventually be go to the nhl for longer than a cup of tea i'm thinking he means taxi squatter and just forgot oh taxi squatter okay yeah yeah definitely uh i think he i think he they gave him the cup of coffee earlier because he he i think he earned it um, there was the right situation at the right time, uh, but I think he's a guy that I they see him. I think if they're bringing him up, there's probably more that's gone wrong, and that's not a knock on Tynan. I just don't know that the Kings see him as like next up. I mean, if you look at if somebody goes down, you have to figure some depending on where in the Kings lineup somebody were to go down. Whether it could be a Ferk, it could be a Velarde, it could be Anderson Dolan. Um, I think those are your Fagimos already had a, a little bit of a cup of coffee. Now Kapari's back down. I just think he's that guy that's kind of caught in between. And you see these sometimes, these absolutely dominant AHL players, um, but they just some for whatever reason can't quite crack a consistent role in the NHL. Um, and perhaps that's where the Kings see tying in right now. I'd be a little surprised, frankly, if he's up again later this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really see him coming into the, to the organization anytime this season, maybe next season if we have some roster openings, but he's uh, the, you, you hit the nail on the head there. He's not the next guy up and he's showing dominance at the AHL level, but I'd like to remind everybody that Michael Amadio showed great AHL prowess and we saw what happened there. You know, leaving someone down there too long, I think is, is really the issue and they sort of become a, stu- a stud AHLer. So I think as far as Tynan goes, you know, is he going to, is he going to crack the lineup? Maybe not. I mean, it, as much as you'd like to see the rain win, it may be a situation where we may think about finding somewhere for Tynan to go if need be. 
but I, I, I don't see him as a taxi squatter because he plays so well on the, on the rain because the rain want to win too. And, you know, uh, eventually in the NHL, I, my personal opinion would be, yes, he's going to make an NHL roster, but it won't be the Kings roster. Well, and I think they, part of the reason they brought him in was to be that kind of veteran presence to an extremely young. This is still a really young rain team. Um, and when you have these type of prospects, are very highly rated prospects, you bring in a guy like Tynan, he's got an MVP under his belt in the AHL, pretty sure he won a Calder Cup as well. Um, this is the type of guy that you want in that room along with Sutter to help groom these these younger kids. And I think that was a big reason why they brought him in. Now, obviously, Tynan himself is going to do whatever he can do to get up to the NHL. But from the King standpoint, I, I think that they really like what he can bring um, to show these guys how to be pros in the AHL level. Yeah, I think they brought him in and they have more investment in other players, frankly. Right. So the, the difference in talent uh, and the investment created in, in picks you probably won't see him up there. I think they brought him up just to kind of give him the major league paycheck for uh, a few weeks um, while he was up there, uh, you know, on the bench or getting a couple of games and just as kind of a nod as what he's done for the rain and what he's doing for the organization, but they don't have that investment in there. So uh, yeah. let's, let's go to this next one. Trapper nine says, uh, what does Velarde need to do to get a recall best hands in the AHL? I'm with you, Trapper um, patience. I think, I think, this is, I have obviously no inside information. This is just a guess. I think they're really, they said, go down, you're going to play the wing and just figure that out for the next couple of months. And I think he's doing a really nice job. I think they're just going to wait until something opens up, whether it's via trade or if somebody goes down or they, they may be looking to see, cause we approach the deadline. Are they going to be a buyer? Are they going to be a seller? Are they going to kind of stand pat? And then that may determine when we see Velarde. My hope is we see Velarde soon. I think he's a guy, and I've been saying it since he went down, I think he can be an impact winger. Um, I think we will see him again. Um, I just hope it's – it's hopefully it's sooner than later, but we may need to wait until some bodies move again. There's no room right now in Los Angeles. Somebody's going to have to go out, and they have shown that they're not necessarily willing to just throw guys on waivers. So I wouldn't expect that to happen. I think we're going to have to wait perhaps until the deadline to see if anything opens up. Yeah, I think that's a great segue into our next topic there. So sent down, step up. So Kachev and Velarde were sent down at the beginning of the season for playing uh, at a subpar level, uh, but they've stepped up with the rain and and have been, um, you know, gallant forces uh, for for their team. You know, what have you seen from them, um, and and where has their game where has their game progressed, or have they always had this game and now it's getting uh, presented at this level? I'll start with Kachev. Because he's a strange one. And we talked to him a little bit for those that were listened to the episode we did earlier this week, kind of doing running through the Kings first half. We talked briefly about Kachev and kind of where what it's been a weird season for him. He was had high expectations for the Kings. He is obviously elite on the power play. He he's great when it comes to the man advantage when he has space. I still I do think there's some consistency levels at five on five. Like, I don't know that he's necessarily bad. I'm not gonna say he's bad at five on five and he's a, he's a liability, but I think that there's, there's times where he's just kind of out there. He's not doing a whole lot. He's maybe not as engaged as the Kings would like to see him be. But that said, you get him an opportunity in the offensive zone or in a power play situation. He is extremely dangerous. The, the the tough part is if you're the NHL and the Kings, like how do you 
It's tough to have a guy like that if he's if he really is at the NHL level a liability, at least in terms of the coaching staff's opinion. They can't have a guy on the roster just to play power play. I mean, as, as nice as it sounds to have a specialty type of player, that's a really difficult thing to do. So he's in a weird spot right now. I don't know what he where his next step is or next role is he's been he's been very good in Ontario he's been very productive in Ontario um and Russ alluded to it the other day on the on the show that he said the people he's talked to say he, he there's been no talk of you know going back to the KHL he's here to play so which is good I don't know I I don't think he's next up I would be surprised if he's in the top three or four up um he's a talented player but um I, I don't know I don't know where this goes next for him yeah, I think I think with Kachev, you're looking at a, a player, and and sometimes maybe I feel that this might be an organizational fault, right? They brought him in for skill. We're trying to get more skill and everything like that. But if T Mac isn't going to play him because he's not defensively sound, like we saw with the the whole uh, Kovalchuk saga, then then you should know that as an organization, and that should be something there. Like I assume that they talk. I mean, Rob Blake and T Mac say that they talk about uh, personnel and all this kind of stuff. So it really made no sense to me why they wouldn't bring this guy in and give him more of a run. Like I know he had a rough start, but there's been, there's been times to uh, seasons last year where, um, you know, guys like uh, Wagner or like you mentioned Amadio during or during this tenure, like had long stretches without points, but you know, they're gritty guys. And so they're doing the other things, right? Well, if you can be defensively sound and not be a scorer, then why isn't the other way as effective? Like if you can be a specialist and be an offensive juggernaut, but, you are paired with line mates who are more defensively sound and balance out that line. Like you knew what you were getting with him. Like he wasn't like showing defensive prowess in the KHL. He was, you brought him over here for his skill. And so like to make that move and bring him over and then not give him a chance to show that I think what is kind of like at the fault of the organization. I could speak to, you know, why doesn't it work both ways, right? If you're somebody that's, that's defensively sound, but not very offensive, like why does that guy get a little bit of a longer look? And that just comes down to trust. Like the coach needs to be able to trust a guy to put on the ice in the third period, late in the period that he's not going to miss his man or miss his assignment in the defensive zone. And, and by, listen, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's the reason because especially at the pro level NHL coaches, they're going to go more conservative. They're going to go more defensive and sometimes too much of that. I'm going to play it safe and not lose, try to not lose rather than have somebody that's going to be a little bit more risk taker, a little bit more lackadaisical for lack of a better term on the D in the D zone. And I think that's the reason why, you know, that's, they'll trust a guy more like a Lazat, for example, or an Amadio that leash will be longer than a Kachev's. I, th- I think I think a real issue though is with the Kings is uh, who plays with him. If he's a defensive liability, who who is he supposed to play with? If he's the power play specialist, but he's on a line that balances out, who who can he actually play with? I mean, you, if he's playing on the on the fourth line, I guess the fourth line with you know with Byfield and Brown, you know they're they're going to make up for his defensive struggles but he's he's still going to be caught in a situation where he's the only offensive guy and then he's just kind of running around for for 15 minutes a night and you know playing two power plays a night where he may score on both of them but does that really justify the 5 on 5 play yeah let's that's yeah yep and I'm with you that's the, the tough spot he's in so let's switch it over to Velarde. Kiffin, why don't you start uh, with Velarde on this one? What have you seen from him 
uh, not only in his limited time with the Kings, but how he's blossomed on the reign as a winger, uh, what he's brought to the power play, and and what you think that he could bring to the Kings. Uh, and we know we mentioned a little bit on Tuesday, if you guys watched that show, uh, but just kind of give us your overall effect of what he's done for the reign so far. Um, twenty four points is what he's done for the reign, uh, point again. <laughs> and like I know, I know it sounds, I know it sounds silly, but you know contribution has been something i mean I, again i mentioned it on the podcast this week it's like it's january now and the kings don't score but you know they did this january but you know velarde brings he brings a steadiness to to the power play i mean you know again i i i've i've watched hockey my whole life i've never been a player you know so i don't really know how you become necessarily a power play specialist or a penalty kill specialist but those guys are out there velarde just he just handles the power play and what I see is it every time the rain have, are on five on four, Velarde is is he he's moving an entire line all on his own. Whatever he does, everybody's kind of parroting, which I think is something that the Kings are missing. You know, so bringing Velarde back onto the team, actually bringing him back up, giving him time, even on the first unit if need be. I saw Dustin Brown in there last night against Detroit, so there's clearly room. But you know, bringing him in to actually work work with the structure the way that he has with the rain really could help. I've, I've seen him just take control with the rain, which I think is great. He's notably still listed as a center, even though they're trying to adjust him to wing. And I mean, you know, he, he deserves that call up. I, I agree. I was thinking about it the other night, you know, and he really does. He deserves the call up to see if he's ready to go. We need wingers and we need guys who can control uh, offensive situations. And Velarde is probably one of those guys. I think so, Kiffin. You're talking about how how the certain guys are able to do that. I think what it is is there's there are guys that you hear it like hockey IQ or guys that can think the game and see the ice. Those those kind of talking points. The game slows down for those guys, right? And I think that's you can see it how how calm he is with the puck and he where he he knows where to go with and without the puck. Um, and I think he's he's so good at that at the AHL level, um, and I think he has showed parts of that in the National Hockey League. The problem for me was, and I, I wrote a piece about this, I think it was in the summer, um, I I don't think he can handle the center position in the NHL. Now, in, in fairness to him, he was given it at a young age at an extremely responsible role as 2C, which was a little early for that. But that said, he hasn't played well at the 3C spot either. So I think the game isn't slowing down for him as a center. I think he's, he's probably doing a lot more thinking than he's used to. Um, and it's, it's his 200 foot game is not quite the same, which is why I thought from the get go, this is a guy that can excel on the wing. He's extremely talented. He's got great hands and an underrated shot. And his vision is fantastic. And you're seeing what he can do in Ontario. He can slow the game right down. And I think, I am actually, as much as I want him up, I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with how they're handling him because let him just continue to do this, and then when the right spot opens up, let's get him up. That's, I mean, that's what I hope is happening, but um, I, I think he's doing everything that they need him to do right now, and I think at this point it's just let's, let's get this roster settled and then we'll get him up. Yeah, if there's if there's a winger spot that happens with COVID or injury, I think that he should at least get the first call. In, in my opinion. And if you look at the, the whole team uh, as a whole, right? So uh, the rain lead the whole league uh, in goals per, per game uh, or uh, uh, and then average and then power play percentage. And so both uh, Kachev and Velarde have helped with this. 
They're both top seven uh, on the team in total points. Velarde is top five in both goals and assists, uh, being even though that he hasn't played the full season with them. Uh, and so they've brought a dynamic that is somewhere uh, that that is lacking in the Kings. And I think if there is a couple wingers that go down, um, I mean, people keep forgetting that there's Elias Anderson. So, right, if, if Anthony C goes down, Elias Anderson gets healthy, he mm-hmm. probably won't get the nod. It's going to take a couple dominoes uh, to fall for him to get that opportunity. But I think he's the next opportunity. Turkai got his cup of coffee. Uh, Samuel uh, Fagimo was up there. Um, and so, and Kupari's been up there all year, got sent down to get more playing time. Uh, and so maybe he just gets that cup of coffee to kind of reward him and, and that uh, that uh, NHL paycheck. Um, but overall, I, I think that he's done a fantastic job with the team and um, uh, and he definitely deserves uh, an opportunity there. Before, before we move on, can I can I ask you both where do you where do you stand with Leah Sanderson? I I I, I wanted to, I wanted to be impressed. I did, and I'm not. I am impressed. I'm impressed with the fact that he, uh, like last year, revolutionized this game with the rain. Uh, was t- was taking more of that uh, gritty role, uh, that Brad Marchand type, uh, where he you could see the scoring touch but likes to get in people's ears. And I think that that was happening in the preseason. You saw that with the Velarde line. And I know they were scoring a lot of points and Joe will say, well, they were also giving up a lot of possession, but he was the person driving that line. Like he was, he was dragging that line down the ice and uh, injuries have just been his biggest fall. I think you would see him uh, in the starting lineup all year if it wasn't for, for the injuries and so impressed maybe be the wrong word, but he's doing exactly what I thought he would do coming into the season when he's on the ice. It's just been unfortunate that he hasn't been playing. But I guess my, my thing is, where is he going to play? So you've got how the where it, it, you could probably look at the lineup the way the Kings have right now and maybe say there's one winger spot that you could consider there may be some shuffling, and that's third line wing where Grunstrom is. Where, who, no other wingers moving. Arvidsson's yeah, yeah. not going anywhere. Kempe, Ayafalo. The way Trevor Moore has just exploded, you still have Athens to see you. Like wh- where I, I, I just think they the Kings brought back and Randon. We kind of talked about this, I think, in the summer too. Was they brought a lot of these kind of similar guys with Moore? You have Anderson, uh, Athens to then Grunstam, I know he's a little bit different. And then they had Lemieux, who, I again, I know he brings a little bit of a different element like from a physicality standpoint. But you had a lot of similar guys, and they, I think they were just hoping, let's see what sticks. And more has been outstanding. So they got that one to click. Um, so I, I, I just I think he's a part of this logjam that doesn't need to be there. Athens to you. Again, I think Athanasiu, Leas Anderson, Carl Grunstrom, I just I don't see it for these guys necessarily. When if if you have guys like you have in Ontario, it just seems like there's unnecessary blockage. No, I, I wasn't saying like where does he fit on the team. I'm just saying with his play in general, I've been satisfied with it. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I I agree with what you're saying there, and you know I, the Kings took a gamble at a first round talent in, in the which i was pick, fine with that yeah. which i was perfectly yeah. fine with yeah. and you probably you probably could still get a third round pick for him uh for somebody willing to take the opportunity at his young age and seeing that he's in a log jam like he would start on arizona he would start on montreal mm-hmm. and all these other teams and like you could see a third because it was a late second round pick we gave up or late to mid, mid to late and so like 
early third or mid third, like you're not dropping around for an experiment isn't a big deal in my opinion. And the experiment was well worth it. If you can get a pick for him, then so be it. But overall his play, I haven't been dissatisfied with. I just think he hasn't really like the log jam. You could say that for almost every single, uh, every yeah. single person in this, on this team. So, yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not disappointed with acquiring him. Like I, I don't, Agreed. I don't think that Blake made a mistake Agreed. in any way. Form. I mean, they were, at a point, they were at a point where they needed like they still needed that bridge to some of these prospects, and they were like, "Okay, yeah. let's bring some of these these see if we hit on one of these, right?" And it looks like they have with more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I did see in our comments, uh, Leah Anderson for Dylan Strom. Uh, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Uh, I feel I hear Peter Shirelli's coming back to Chicago, so I mean, fleecing Chicago could be on the table. I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> Leah Anderson, Athanasiu for Alex DeBrinket in the first. Why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> and dreamers. Uh, all right, let's go into evolution of talent. So. Uh, you know, obviously with all these young prospects, people take jumps from year to year. And so who on the rain uh, has taken the biggest jump from last season to this season? And where have they taken those strides uh, to, to better benefit the team? And, and how does that translate in, into the Kings roster? Uh, Kiffin, if you want to start on this one, since you had a little timeout with your kiddos. Yes. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, no. Aiden Dudas is what what where I stick. Uh, you know, 17 points through 35 games last year, 11 points in 37. Um, he's a plus player this year. Uh, you know, obviously, Ed, again, as we as we mentioned this week, you know, there can be good plus players on bad plus minus teams, but there can, but he, the same can be said of a good team. You know, there can be there can be those minus guys. So to to do a full a full twenty six point turnaround on the plus minus is just super impressive. Um, you know, he's got he. he He's playing. He's playing better position. He's got a better shooting percentage. He's more noticeable on the ice. Um, again, especially starting to cover the rain fairly recently. Like one thing I started to notice is like everybody invests in one singular camera. So uh, you know, it's it's interesting though when you're watching the broadcasts like that because you're kind of understanding how to see players. And a person that I see a lot is Aiden Dudas, and he's just really. He's really smart in the way that he positions himself, the way he moves, and the way that he's doing his best in the play to keep the play alive. Like, I, I'd, be it defensively or offensively, I, I really see a much better game uh, from him than that I've seen in the past. So, yeah, I really, would, I really, I really like, course. yeah, I really like that pick, and I think that because we have so many UFA and RFAs, I think half the contracts are available for resign uh, for the Kings this next season, and so. Uh, Judas is a guy that you could throw, uh, you know, on, uh, as the extra skater, as a fourth line guy, depending on what they want to do with uh, Lazat. Like if Jad takes that position, who's on their wing? Because we expect Kaliev to jump up. And so he might get some some run or he might be one of those guys that eventually ends up being a, uh, you know, like a TJ Tynan or or Brett Sutter, where they're just a career AHLer who's a solid player who always will be, uh, you know, controlling the game, play defensively sound. And that I think he'll be kind of that bridge player. I hope he gets some work in the NHL just to kind of reward him for his game. Uh, but, you know, he's not a liability defensively. And so you definitely could put him on a fourth line uh, in the NHL. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Malalta. I think he has been – he's made some pretty big strides from last season. Last year in 18 games, he gave up four goals or more in half of them. Nine games he gave up Jeez. four goals. Uh, and five of those – uh, he gave up five or more. So it was a rough go 
last year for Volalta. So looking ahead to this season, there was a lot of question marks. We talked about it preseason, Randon. Who is the Kings goalie prospect that's coming up? Uh, with Volalta struggling last year, Ingham didn't have a great season. Lucas Parik is, is, is trying to make a little bit of noise. And I think Volalta has been really, really good. Compare though, so he's played 19 games this year, so it's almost the same kind of sample size as last season. He's had four games with four goals or more, uh, and really three of those came in in one bad stretch. He had a stretch of three games in a row. We gave up four in a row. He struggled a bit, and he's been awesome since then. He's had five games straight um, with two goals or less. I think he's been a lot better. He's a little bit quieter and that he's still athletic. Like he's an athletic goaltender. And he talked about that when we had him on that he was focusing on doing some things and maybe being a little bit quieter in the net. But I still think he's, he's made some pretty big strides this year. That said, I think there's still strides to make. I think there's still a long way to go. Um, but he's, he's slowly, especially if he could put together a strong second half too, he, he could at least kind of start to settle in to be okay. Maybe I can, I can evolve here. And when it comes to, you know, to next season, if they need a guy to call up, it's not going to be like a Garrett Sparks. It could be Matt Vallalta, right? If something happens next season. So uh, I'm encouraged to see, I'm encouraged, you know, how this first half has gone for him, especially how he rebounded from that bad hiccup. He had a really good start to the season. And like I said, he had three games in a row where, where he had gave up four goals, but he's been very good since then. So I, I think he's bounced back nicely. I, I think he's a player that, uh, and a goaltender that, that, you know, it's taken some time, but that's okay. Sometimes these guys take a little bit of time. Um, but I think the goal is if he can continue to play this well and be a guy that can also, you know, be that called up in an emergency situation um, would be big for him. So I think he's had a good start to the season. Yeah, I want to go with what Trapper's saying here. The defense was shaky, and we you, had, sure. you wrote a you wrote a complete article about our, how uh, crappy our penalty kill was, and you know we'll get to that later on in one of the topics. But you know when you're giving up one timers all the time and full cross ice passes and doing all this thing. And he talked about being more focused and, and centered with his entire body moving across the crease, not trying to make the dynamic save all the time, being more quiet in the net, as you said. And when, when you're getting cross ice passes and slap shots thrown at you every single power play. And I think Joe, we talked about it. I think it was a stretch of almost 11 games with a straight power play goal. And, and on the season, it was hard to find, it was hard pressed to find back to back games without a power play goal. Uh, and so a lot of, even though he's got a two, uh, two, five, eight, uh, goals against average, a lot of that's been on the, on the penalty kill. And, you know, which is, is you got to blame the defense as much as, as him in net. Cause he can't make every single save there. Now, granted, there's been some where he's made some bad plays, uh, whether it be, uh, on wide open shots where he's seen the shooter, uh, from far out, he, you know, made a bad, bad, uh, bad reader or what have you, but, I think a lot of it's been on the defense, on the on the penalty kill. He's definitely progressed in, as a goalie. Will he be a starter in the NHL? No, I think he has potential to be a perennial backup uh, in the league um, and somebody that could could be behind Peterson for a couple years, uh, maybe why they wait or draft or do something like that. But he's definitely improved, and I, I like that pick. Yeah, and I'm going to – before you go, Randon, if you had one, I'm going to throw just just a quick shout to Tyler Madden. I think he's had a really good uh, second season here. Uh, he, he had just uh, uh, five, five, six points, excuse me, in 14 games last year. He's got 21 points um, in 33 games this year, and, and he's putting the puck in the net. He's been one of the best goal scorers in the league, really, uh, on a per-game basis. He's up in the 90th percentile on a per-game basis in goals, goals per game. So uh, I'm going to give a shout to Tyler Madden, too. 
Yeah, I think my person's going to be the old Jad, the Jadski, uh, Anderson Dolan there. 29 games, 26 points, almost point per game average, uh, dominating on the power play. And what we talked about, Joe and I, in the beginning of the year is his. he needs to uh, have an evolution to his game, which is why I showed uh, this title here. And he needs to add something to get more call-ups. When you're going from the NH- uh, AHL to the NHL, you have to show uh, why you're deserving of ice time. And, and maybe, um, you know, to the last topic is if you're defensively sound and, and all this kind of stuff like that, the, the coach will see that you're de- deserving of ice time. Well, Jad was that. He was a 200-foot guy. He was doing that a lot but couldn't put the puck in the net. And now, really, he's shown that that power play point to his game, being in front of the goalie, be behind the net, uh, dominating there. I think over a little less than half of his goals are on the power play. He's second in the team after Marty Furk. And so he's really developed his game on, on a massive level. And I've really enjoyed watching him play. And he's now uh, – you saw him on this last road trip uh, or last set of games play on the first line on the wing with uh, with uh, Furk and Tynan. Uh, so he's not afraid to be moved around. And that's what you need to get that next jump. And so if there's uh, – you know, I, I talked about Velarde being the next guy up. Well, what if – you know, what if they move up Kaliev and put Jad in there? I mean, or put Jad on the third line. Like there's – there's spots for him to play there, and I, I really feel like his game has developed. And you know, we we've been dogging Brown a lot, and you know, it's his game is you know uh, digressed in his old age, but uh, especially on the power play, and that's where Jack could fill in. Like he plays the exact same role in the rain uh, for most of the season, and is just dominating down there. Good net front presence, and I feel like uh, I don't know about you, Joe, because you watch just as many games as I do. Is is I think he's developed. He hasn't had a lot of tip goals. But I feel like he's getting the right position to to tip pucks from the point, and you know it's only a matter of time. Like it's, he's not the Joe Pavelski type level, but he, it's only a matter of time before he starts making that a repertoire in his game. You don't score that many goals in the power play by accident and kind of without knowing where to go, right? I mean, so his nine goals are not by accident. He's that's what's kind of impressed me because I didn't see him as a guy that was going to be like a power play producer. Um, so. That's, but he is. He's he's done it in in Ontario. And Trapper's right. I see that the the quote he has up here. There's his problem is he has options. And yeah, that's part of the reason why I thought Blake Lozat was going to be the fourth line center. And credit to Lozat, he's taken it and stolen and kept it. Right. He, yeah. He's he's played so well. He's kept the job. So it's kind of forced Anderson Dolan down. But at the same time, we've started to see Anderson Dolan a little bit on the wing. Again, could be a player that moves to the wing, uh, or at least you know show that you can do both. He, he, what can benefit him is a player that I look at John and I can see a guy that in a pinch can play in the top six if in a game or if somebody gets hurt in a game and, and um, you know, you need to take him up there for a few shifts. I think he can do it, but he, he's best suited for a kind of a bottom six role. But if he can play a couple of positions and play, show that he can play up and down the lineup in a pinch, that's valuable. And I think he has the capability to do that. The only, the only, the only prospect on our team or four prospect on our team that is not. Uh, a wing option is Byfield. So like if people want ice time, like they're going to have to do whatever's necessary. And right now we're such an amoeba of a team uh, with, with that log jam that if, you know, Turcotte didn't impress in his two or three games, like he was good enough, but he didn't impress. And if you're going to go up and try to press and keep your position, you're going to have, you're going to have to do that. And so it's kind of tough right now. We'll see how much a talent is uh, a room is cleared out in the <laughs> off season with all those empty contracts. What have you seen uh, Kiffin from, from Jad and, and how do you think he sits, fits in in the future for the Kings? Uh, as far as Jad goes, I mean, I, I see him, I see him as a fourth line center. Uh, I agree with that. 
Um, but I see him as our fourth line center, if if that makes any sense. Um, I, I I see like in the way Trevor Lewis was like that. That I um, know he was a, like, is I, that where you're going with that? Like he's Trevor Lewis was just so he was especially from that Kings team that won those those cups. Like he was such like an integral part of it, even though he was that bottom six kind of role player. I, I actually see him. I see him more more as like a Jared Stoll, actually. Okay, um, sure. I I I feel like Jared Anderson Dole, like he's he's strong in the in the faceoff dot. He knows how to take faceoffs, and that's that's what I think. What I think a lot of centers in the league, not even just on the Kings or the Rain or anything else in the NHL, they don't see like they do, but they don't. It's like you there's only certain guys who just know how to take a face off. There are guys who go to what's comfortable and guys who are like, Oh, I got, I got to do this right now. Cause that's how I can win this draw. And that's why I'm on the ice. And Jared and Jad, he just, he kind of embodies that in my mind. Um, I will say, I think, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I think he's going to beat out Blake Lazat, but I think Blake Lazat is not going to be our fourth line center forever. I think, yeah. I think eventually moving him to the third, to the three C is going to, going to happen. So. I was just going to say, in looking at uh, so Jared Shaffron, Ontario Rain insider for the team, uh, he posted the lines today, and and Jod is uh, expected to play the wing uh, again this weekend. Just so it is interesting, Kapari uh, is right now slotting in his third line center too. So they added another centerman down there, so that could play a factor there. But um, Jod on the wing is interesting. Yeah, he had he had only forty three percent in the NHL from the dot last season. Um, you know, but his his shooting percentage is over twenty percent this year. I know Joe thought that might have been a problem. Obviously, the AHL is different than the NHL, but um, we'll. I thought uh, to Kiffin's point that he's been a lot better in the dot in the A. Um, you know, you're not a, you're not going against perennial NHLers, and that's a skill that he's progressed in, in my opinion. So I, I really agree with that statement from Kiffin. And so, uh, but I'm glad that he's getting some wing shot because. You know, I think Velarde should be the next man up for the power play. But if you're looking for a complete player that has some offensive ability with a little bit more defensive acumen, Jad could get that next uh, call up if there were some uh, opportunities to arise. Yeah. And well, and the, fa- the fact is, like, you know, what we said, what we were saying about the difference between playing center and wing, you know, Velarde not having the touch to play center. I mean, there's only four center slots on a team, you know, on an NHL team and on an AHL team. However, there are eight wing slots. So the guy, these guys who can kind of learn to move from one position to the other, they become almost invaluable. And if Jad's playing a lot of time on the wing in the A, like it gives him more value to the team in general. Sure. It probably, probably gives him the ability to come close to getting a slot on the team. Yeah, I think. And then I think uh, uh, Trapper's uh, comment here, getting in the dirty areas. We talked about it uh, a little bit at nauseum last night, the Kings dynamic of throwing the puck at the net, and there really hasn't been a net presence. That is Jad's game. Get in front of the net, get in the dirty areas, uh, whether it's on the power play or five-on-five. And now this year he's had that shooting touch over 20% uh, with his shots there. And so maybe that might be a player who's willing to go to the areas that they need uh, because uh, the Kings are throwing up that puck to the net. So it'll be interesting to see if when, if and when, if there's a, a spot that opens up, if he gets that call up. So let's move it on here to the, to the next topic, young defense. The Kings have had a, a, a couple players come in by the name of Jordan Spence and Helge Granz. Uh, the Kings have had 12 players play defense for them. So there's been a lot of cycle going in. Uh, there was a week there where the, the rain had to call uh, everybody and their mom to come play defense. And, and they had a, a couple forwards playing defense for them. Uh, I believe it was Johnson. So, yep. but the young defense has shown up. Uh, Brock Faber has said that he is uh, has rumored to be going pro uh, by the end of the season. He is in Beijing right now. Uh, shout out to Brock Faber. Hope you do well for Team USA out there. Team USA all the way. 
Uh, sorry for you Canadians, but uh, red, white, and blue here is here to stay, my friend. And uh, we're looking at possibly having a right side of the D. I know Strand uh, is up right now. He might be coming down, but you got to think that if Faber makes his turn pro by Calder Cup time, you might have uh, Spence Grand Faber uh, on the right side, and that would be pretty for us Kings fans. Yeah, and Strand is is expected to be in the rain lineup tomorrow on the right side. Um, I, he's been impressive, and I think when you look at the start of the season, the way if you go back, the first couple of games, Spence and Grands kind of alternated. They didn't start off right off the hop playing every day, and then all of a sudden, injuries happen. Um, guys have to get called up to the Kings. All of a sudden, the the lineup shuffle starts, and they're in it every day, and they haven't come out. And they've they've played outstanding. And I think the biggest thing with because Helgi Grands in the development camp, like in the summer, he looked very, very raw, which you would expect a 19 year old defenseman coming over to North America for the first time and playing in NHL camp to look. Um, but boy, oh boy, has his improvement been he's taken leaps this year in his improvement. His defensive game has been very sound, which I think is is really impressive to me. Uh, so when I look at this, 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 this young defense group, you see what Spence is doing and the production and the offensive production and the power play Grands, I think is really kind of evolving into a pretty well-rounded two-way defenseman. I'll be interested to see how much offense there comes from Grands. Um, but he's, he's really doing a nice job defensively. You know, he was going to, he was going to play on the first power play unit at the world juniors at the yep. world juniors. Yeah, you know my thoughts on Jacob Overari. I'm a huge fan of him. I know. I threw this up for you because you know you have a little <laughs> man crush on him. So that's okay. Well, it's all right. Yeah, lo- love love what he's done. And uh, and again with Jersey too, you have to include him in this. Um, that that he shouldn't be just somebody that is necessarily forgotten about, but he's an extremely talented player too, and he's contributed to both team, both both LA. Yeah, and- he's, st- he's still top five in assists, right? And he hasn't played on the the rain in a while. So yeah, so he was he was really productive. Um, so th- it's a really good problem to have, particular you know problem, especially when you have what like you said with with Faber coming soon. You know, Brant Clark is is likely going to be um, a pro next year in the NHL. So it's 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 awesome to see, but um, I would say with Spence and Grands, they're in, they're in really good. And I would be I wouldn't be surprised if even the Kings are a little surprised at the, at the steps that those two have taken this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, Helgi Grands is a big one when it comes to the de- the sort of defensive pipeline that the Kings have. You know, it's strong for one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a time where we were, re- you know, we were really drafting you know stud forwards um and now we're now we're on to stud defensemen helga grans is a big one to me um the analytic stuff that i like to look at i i think he's he's gonna once, once he can crack the nhl lineup which i guarantee you he will he's gonna be fantastic one of the things that i note the most uh the rain take a lot of penalties and what you know we're special teams is one of our one of our topics tonight you know, but the rain take a lot of penalties, and a lot of guys take a lot of lot of penalties per game. Sean Dursey's one of them. You know, he's he's averaging one point five four penalty minutes a game. In Wagner's in averaging a penalty um, a minor a game right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Grons Grons is is averaging point zero seven penalty minutes per game. Like he has one penalty on the year. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a guy. That's a guy who's who literally is doing everything he can. He's a a plus eight player. He's a 
almost a, almost a half point a game player and he's staying out of the box like that's that's the the kind of development that you need and he's only a rookie that's the kind of development you need to to say I'm you know I'm here to stay and I'm going to make an impact on the team I I can definitely see him in uh you know in a top 4 role later on down the line for the Kings what I'd like yep. to see with with Grimes and Spence, though, because I agree, I I would say you've got Dowdy obviously right now, Dursey, Roy, Clark coming, Faber coming. I have no problem really taking your time. Let these guys marinate for a while. Let them become that much more comfortable. I mean, again, Grimes is only nineteen years old, 100%. so don't. There's no. I don't think Grimes should be up this year. There's no need. Let him just have his first full season in the AHL. Let him get his first. You know, North American hockey. There, there's no need to to rush either. And I'm not saying that they have any intentions to, but I would just keep these guys marinating, let them go because, you know, Dowdy. In a few years, we'll see where he is. They're going to have to make a decision on the right side. I love Matt Roy. I love Dursey, but we'll see what they end up deciding to do. Obviously, Walker is, is still around. He's he's hurt, but but just don't rush these kids. Uh, and also, I'm just going to throw this out there. Don't get too attached because if you're going to make an impact trade, trade bait. Yeah. If you're going yeah. to make an impact trade, it's going to hurt. And I just, I just don't want it to be Grons. That's that's I, how I feel. I hear you. I hear you. But again, if you're thinking, I don't want it to be Grons either. But you'd still have Spence, Dursey, Clark, Faber. I, it's it. There's a really good chance it's coming from the right side of the D if there's a trade. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I really like Ron's, and, and we talked to uh, uh, Sixteen Funquist and, and brought him up a little bit, and he didn't say this quote, but he, I mean, he really appreciated his game, uh, but a fellow Swedish scouter said that he was Rasmus Dahlin light, and, uh, you know, having, uh, being compared to the first overall pick in, in a draft, and and that kind of skill set, he just was a little bit more time to develop. I think you're right, Joe, like if, he, if you just let him in the A all this year, possibly all next year without, you know, maybe an injury call up, and sure. get him like his he he comes in at 21 because you also have you know Karasanov and all these guys that are that are strong defensive players that are going to be there two or three years I mean Walker and Roy are probably not going to be a part of this team very much longer uh, I would say Roy probably next year but you have the strongest outside of our center depth because everybody who's drafted as a forward is pretty much a center is the right side of the D and so like there's going to be shrapnel to trades or what have you no matter how good walker or roy has played for us i mean clark should be a pro next year uh, ohl player of the year and then you have Faber, who is an olympian uh Granz and spence uh who are doing well in the a like there's going to be some shrapnel or people to be traded mm-hmm. or falling sure. or or you're gonna have some you're gonna have five right defensemen and and one lefty uh and i and, think and, there's more likely of a trade than that yeah, yeah. So like there's there you you can't you can't do that unless we're running nine forwards and and eight D or whatever you want to do that kind of thing but uh, it's just kind of crazy and conserve you know, your energy. The box now. Yeah, I, w- I will. Uh, say, Newsom, I will say New Cycling in Finland is another th- uh, person to look at. So you know we could say this forever because you know Kings are widely regarded as the best prospect pool in hockey. Scott Wheeler is going down his list right now. I think he's at nine. Uh, so we should be at one or two there. Uh, there's going to be some one. Not everybody makes it, right? So we are talking about like the percentage of players playing ni- uh, 99 games or 100 games uh, if second round or later is around 20%, 25%. So even though all these guys are playing good in the A, will they stick in the NHL? And some of that's opportunity. Yep. Right. Some of that is opportunity. Some of that is talent. Uh, but 
you know, we're falling in love with all these guys. And I, I personally am a, a, am a happy go lucky person, right? I like for all these guys to be playing well in the A. It, it would be worse if, like, oh, man, Grant is a second round pick and he can't sure. even hack it, right? Which is what a lot of people are saying with Turcotte right now. Like, hey, you're a top five overall pick. Why aren't you the most dynamic forward on this team? You're not saying that about Gronz or Spence, which is mm-hmm. is something to be appreciative of. I will. I will <laughs> say that. Cut you off. Get, go ahead. If you oh want. no, go ahead. Yeah, uh, we're, there. There are going to be decisions coming. Uh, Matt Roy, Matt Roy, and Sean Walker per cap friendly. I mean, they're they're both signed through 2025, uh, the end of the 25 season. So we're going to have to make some choices deep, deep you know, deep into this what should be a cup window on what we're going to do on the right side and as as far as getting attached and trade bait i just have to say very specifically i was upset when eric chernak got traded when we (laughs) traded eric chernak before he played and then he won two stanley cups that's all i'm going to say i i retain (laughs) my right for bitterness because (laughs) because i love but i loved it i love peter budai too so it's so it's crazy how like people do that, right? Like uh, there was Niner fans talking about, you know, Brand Ayuk is a bus or or this or that, or we could have had this player. Like we we drafted Forbert and we could have had Tarasenko and like all these what ifs happen and, and like you just don't know like where the drafts are coming from, like and, and how a player is gonna develop, right? Like if you were to t- tell me like when Roy was drafted, like he would be playing the minutes that he's playing for the Kings, I would have laughed in your face. And so it just you just don't know how players developed it's not always it's not always a uh, uh linear uh linear uh, yeah, I, I like that you mentioned roy i want to just i wouldn't be surprised and i know it's easy to say well look at all these young right shot studs obviously roy is going to be gone i don't know he signed a three-year deal i wouldn't be surprised there's something to be said uh about a guy like that who Maybe dominates is a strong word, but controls possession. He is a very good in transition, making the first pass, um, and can anchor your third pair D. I th- I think there's something to be said for that. Now, but doesn't that also like mean that he's a top trade candidate? Because if if you're a team, but see, I don't know. He's not sexy though. I mean, maybe, I think. Maybe- I- Maybe for Walker. A Walker. It depends. It depends. I think Walker's the one that's gone. I think Walker yeah. gets traded. But yeah. I mean, so but I'm but I'm saying you, I think you're 100 correct. Walker is going to get less of a pick. Walker with his injury is probably worth a fifth round right now, probably mm-hmm. maybe a sixth, which is fine because the Kings don't need picks or whatever. So who like get his get his salary off the books? We have other players coming up. Jersey, thank you for dominating so far. Uh, but I mean, Roy would be sexy on a team that needs good defense. Right, like, for look, cup, at, look for, at the Leafs. Like they, the Leafs could use Roy because they're so offensively sound. Like they could use a sound defender that is not very expensive, uh, playing third, second line minutes for them. Yeah, and like so, a team like that could use a Roy. It's just I think right now if that's a way tougher sell to trade Matt Roy when the Kings are in the hunt for the division. Well, I'm not and, talking about this year. I'm talking about well, not even in the off season. Sure, yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm, uh, I'm not even talking about it in the offseason. I'm probably talking about next you know, trade deadline next year. If 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 Grands and Spence and Clark and Faber are playing to the level where the Kings can I think take that chance, the kicker, yeah. Then yeah. then you then you trade him maybe at the deadline just to get a salary off the books. I think you know? they need yeah. more time to see because because the Kings are going like this. They're making this 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 progress. And if you say you were to deal Roy before one of these kids are really ready to play every day. Well, now are you taking a little bit of an unnecessary hit just to 
to get a prospect in. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Dursey is somebody that's traded before, right? Maybe I'm, I'm I could be way off base here, and I, I understand that, but I think there could be something <laughs> that uh, you and Trapper are mind melded tonight. <laughs> I think there could be something to be said for the stability that Roy brings, and if the Kings were not doing well this season, then I I think he's somebody that they can move to a team like Toronto for a cup run. But I, I think he's he's etching a spot here. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think he's etching a spot here that could potentially be somebody that stabilizes the third pair. There's got to yeah. be a switch made on the Kings eventually <clears throat> from solid defenders to scoring from the deal, uh, from the, uh, the blue line. You saw Edler was doing it. You see Jersey and Dowdy. But eventually that switch has got to be made. And if you're going to stick with Anderson and Bjornfoot, who are – uh, sound defenders, you know, maybe mm-hmm. to whatever degree you want to to debate, and if they get a, a solid uh, left-handed D for me, like I would love Chikrin, but that left side you can have sound left sa- uh, sided defensemen and have all the scoring come from your right side and just roll pairs of balanced defense out there. I would be fine with that, but I I don't think Roy's a, a guy that you trade one unless the the package is over what you're asking. Or two that you are ready for guys to come up. I'm just saying that it's the most, uh, it's the it's the deepest position group sure. on the prospect pool, and you yep. could take a risk that like I think Faber could play in the NHL right now, just the base based on his skill set, his gap control, and everything like that. I think he could play in the NHL right now, and would do would do a decently fine job uh, on on the right side of the defense, in my opinion. I, I, I don't. Be, I would yeah. feel better trading two of like these the younger kids, this Faber, Spence, Grons, Jersey, because and keep the commodity. Doubt, you have yes, and you keep the commodity because you don't have to trade all of those guys. You can probably trade one or two of them to get your big left side piece or a piece somewhere else. Still continue to develop the others while you have that rock in Matt Roy that's still there. So that's it. Either way. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because it's going to have to play out here in the somewhat near future, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think if, they, if the Kings fall out of contention, my last point on that: if the Kings fall out of contention somehow, then you you absolutely deal Matt Roy this trade deadline, and you deal him to a team that's contending, and you get you get them to overpay because he's. I would say Matt Roy for his steadiness for a t- for maybe a team that doesn't have enough to, enough on the blue line to stop the puck going in. His steadiness probably gets you a third round pick, but in the heat of the deadline, in the heat of the race, if the Kings aren't in it, you probably get a second for that. Yeah, so he's got three years left, base salary at, uh, at uh, two million this year. Cap hit's going to be three point one five for the next uh, the end of this year and the next two years. So definitely somebody that could uh, be very uh, cost effective for that team. Let's move it on here. Uh, polarizing special teams. So the rain number one, like I said in the in the uh, beginning here, number one in the entire AHL in power play percentage at twenty seven point seven percent. I believe there was one game, Joe, this year. I forget which one it is. We went five for five. Uh, PK was eight, uh, eight this year. Although uh, over the past two weeks, I uh, got to give them their props. They were at seventy-two percent. They're at seventy-five now. So uh, a little bit less of a sieve, if you if if you will, uh, Joe. Since you wrote the piece on the penalty kill, uh, why don't you talk about that to start before we go into the positive stuff on the power play? Yeah, the 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 penalty kill. The the piece I wrote a few weeks back was I was just curious to see if there were consistencies on 
what was going on and the goals going in. And, and it seemed fairly alarming to me that almost every goal seemed to be coming from di directly off of a cross scene pass and really coming from the left to the right, taking from that right circle. And it, it was twofold. Like one, the pass was getting through and two, no one was coming out to challenge the pass. So there was two glaring issues where if one of those things is happening, either the pass doesn't get through or a killer is out to challenge, you know, at least the shot maybe isn't getting off or isn't getting off as cleanly or quickly. Um, and then obviously they were just, they were beating the goaltenders pretty cleanly. Um, so there was, it was pretty alarming to see. And it just was, it was, it was consistent too. It was consistent with the same type of problem over and over and over again. Um, like you said, it's been a little bit better the last couple of weeks for whatever it's worth. Maybe that coincides with Matt Valalta playing very well over the last couple of weeks as well. Just going to throw it out there. Um, that doesn't hurt. Um, but yeah, if, if this is something that can get, obviously it's not going to be one of the top penalty kills in the league, but if it can just get, if they can start to be an average penalty kill uh, with how good their power play is and just how much they score, it's going to be a that's the only hope for teams right now is to is let's if we if they're if we can score on the power play um that's how we can beat ontario or be in the game and that's what's keeping them in the game but if the if the rain can shore up this penalty kill just enough uh, they're they're tough to beat as it is and that would be even more make them even more dangerous yeah i like i like Trevor's comment here that just made me giggle uh, <laughs> wagner's a good penalty killer but it's usually his penalty sorry wags man i like you as i like you as a player i think i really thought i really liked you on the kings uh, but just stay out of the box, my friend. Stay out of the box. What do you think, Kiffin? Where have you seen the penalty kill this season? And and do you think it's more of a goalie problem or, or a, a situational problem or fundamentals? Um, I think it's both. I think it's both. Um, you know, Matt Valalta is the only goaltender on the reign with a sub three uh, goals against average. You know, um, he's played more games, obviously, but you know, he's he's the best the best of the goaltenders by a wide margin. Uh, and that's that's a problem for me overall, as far as you know, as far as giving up those goals and giving up, giving them up regularly. Um, I think the rain again. It, you know, I talked I talked about Dursey for one, especially seeing him on the Kings. I mean, you know, Dursey's Dursey's a great penalty killer, um, but he's averaging well over um, one you know one and a half penalty minutes a game. So he's not on the ice, and I, you know the the that joke about Wagner as well. It's the same way, you know. Really good penalty killers not making it onto the ice during the penalty kill because they're in the box, and that's something that that the rain have to get a hold of. You know, your your best penalty killers are your more aggressive players, and I think there's a level of over aggression, you might call it, that's kind of leading the rain to be penalized more they're right around that was that was going to be my question here and and because they're first in the league in goals uh they have a lot of offensive talent not necessarily that they're they're cheating uh up the ice but are they trying to be more aggressive in the goal scoring department which leads them if they make a turnover they're out of position and then they have to you know throw exactly. a stick out there and that kind of thing is that what you're that's, saying that's exactly what i'm saying and that's and that's what i that's what i've seen in rain games so far you know a lot of those penalties byfield byfield is guilty of it at the nhl level you know one misstep and you know it's a slide back to oh i got to catch up i got to do what i can and then you know they're they're behind the play they're they're drawing a penalty and you know the the structural component of the of the penalty kill going back to our earlier comment about special specialists you know if if the guys who understand that structure the guys who understand how to defend in a penalty killing situation are in the box 
then you're just going to run into situations where you're throwing out the, the best option at the time. Now, the power play is phenomenal for the rain. I mean, not only are they the best in the league, but it's it's a thing of beauty. It's a chef's kiss of a power play, just watching them move. I mean, for, again, for, for, for instance, you know, the example to use is the power play in – uh, in Washington, in the NHL, you know, I mean, Alex Ovechkin, uh, I saw, I saw a graph the other day of his penalty or his power play goals. I don't know if you guys saw that, but yes. literally it's all just, the one yeah, we side. brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was that us? Okay. Yeah. Like no, we, brought it, we brought it up last week. I was like, it's like, it, it looks like the ice is just red on one side with all his goals. On yeah, the other exactly. side. So it's like, so they've, they've adjusted a structure to one specific player and that's helpful. But what I see the rain doing is, their their power play evolves throughout the game you know if if velardi needs to take a shift off then you see somebody else jump on and really move you know move the play in in their way like the, everybody on the rain controls their way to play the game and they're doing it well that's what i see and on the power play on the penalty kill obviously it's, you know, yeah. yeah it's it's a well-functioning organism and i think that you see um what uh what they're asking of the kings to do is, is play with anticipation and so it, they're structured to the power play, but it's just players making plays at that point. And, and we've seen Jad at multiple positions. You've seen, I mean, the only person that's really been do, uh, in the same position the whole time uh, besides the defenseman has been Ferk and Tynan. Like they've both been on the half wall on their respective sides, but everybody else, I mean, Madden's played a majority of the time in the bumper. He's played sometimes on the half wall and like they've really rotated that kind of stuff in there. And uh, I, I really think that they're they're playing a lot on instinct because you're drafting all these guys high end in the draft because they're scoring abilities and they all have that instinct. And we saw it last year, you know, Joe and I talked about it in the in the season opener episode that it, the power play seemed to have its glimpses, but they just didn't have that chemistry yet built up. And I think that chemistry you're seeing it now, like they know where everybody's going to be on the ice. They have confidence in everybody to make plays. They're scoring goals from the bumper, from the half wall, from down below the net. You're seeing Spence lead uh, just like a assist per game at this point on the power play. You get in the drop down of what you talked about earlier with Kachev and Velarde, two guys that have very specialized abilities. I mean, Velarde hasn't had a shooting percentage below 14% in his professional career, if I remember correctly, and that's continuing right now on the rain. And so uh, just, man, with all the offensive weapons, it's hard-pressed. And you could leave guys off. I mean, there's games where Kachev is healthy scratched. There's games that Braden Burke, who's playing on the first line, healthy scratched, and they were power play contributors early in the year. And I think this is probably the most dynamic power play I've ever seen watching hockey. So I think and you, what's it's not always just easy to throw out, and I, we everyone knows how talented these these players are and the prospects that the Kings have in Ontario, particularly up front. But it's not always that easy that you just throw your best players on the ice and you should expect them to score. It just doesn't always work that way. Uh, so perhaps sometimes of left last year helped get them kind of build a little bit more chemistry. But um, let's. I think let's call spade a spade. TJ Tynan is a massive reason that this power play is doing what it's doing. He has been insane. The other part of it that's been really, really impressive to me is just how they haven't missed a beat. You know, Dersey goes, Clay was a bit on the top unit early on, uh, but Dersey kind of took that over. He goes, and then Spence, and it's just clicked just the same. I think that's what's really impressive to me is it really hasn't slowed down. Um, 
with with Jersey getting the call up. Spence has done a fantastic job filling in. Ferk is doing a nice job getting himself into shooting positions. And you, for a while there, you're looking at the second unit that has like Byfield, Turcotte, Fagimo. Like those these guys aren't on the top unit. These are your elite prospects, and they're not. You know, it, it's mostly been Spence, Tynan, Ferk, Anderson, Dolan. Uh, Velarde has gotten a little bit of time. Tyler Madden, as you mentioned, played the bumper a lot early in the season. So there's just so much talent. They're moving it around nicely. They're getting shots from the bumper. Uh, and particularly when Ferk's out there, they're getting shots from the left circle. So yeah, um, with, with Ferk out there, you're seeing it right away. Tynan and Spence. So Tynan's got 21 yes. power play assists. Spence has got 14. The next closest has six. So, yes. which is Kachev and Dolan. So, they're they're definitely feeding it over the the big guy to whop up that hundred plus mile an hour slap shot, and it's working. Yep, it's sometimes and, and because part of it, the reason that it works is they're moving it around so efficiently. But two, there's another threat. Like we mentioned, Ovechkin earlier. Yes, Ovechkin is a great goal scorer, arguably the best goal scorer that we've ever seen. What makes him so dangerous on the power play is part him, but part a guy like John Carlson. John Carlson is a threat on a legitimate threat on the Washington power play. And he's willing to shoot the puck. If he wasn't there, they don't need to necessarily look at anybody else. So they have to account for him. And when you look at this, the, the rain power play, it's not necessarily Jordan Spence. That's the shooter. That's the threat. It's the threat of that bumper guy, whether it's been Madden or whether it's been, um, um, Velarde's been in there, and I think uh, there's somebody else. I'm drawing a complete blank now, but those two have been in there, and I think when you have that guy as a threat, again, if you have two shooting threats on the power play, a team can't just hone in on that one guy or hone in on Ferk. So it opens it up, and they move it around so efficiently so that it really helps when you got multiple options. Yeah, you see Jared Nesson, Dolan, and Ferk leading, leading the team with nine power play goals, Velarde with five. Uh, and then this guy right here, who normally would be a shoe-in uh, to be a power play option, Chromiak, dropping some dimes in the World Juniors, some clappers from outside the dots. Uh, another guy that can play that in that in that area over there uh, might not even be on the first power play on this team. Might not even be on the second power play on this team. Yeah, uh, with how with how deep they are, and uh, he's another guy. And we talked about Faber uh, being a person that could join this team. Chromiak was there towards the end of the season last year, uh, depending on how well he does. Uh, actually, I, th- I think he's 20, so he might just be here regardless, uh, but could be another guy. I mean, talking about how deep you are, I mean, if Chromiak's playing third-line minutes uh, and with how well he's played and, and he's playing first-line minutes with Shane Wright this year, over uh, arguably the first overall pick in the draft, te- this team's deep. Tyler Mann's penciled in third-line tomorrow. Yeah. So it's, it's – it's, Kobe it's Baker finalist, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, obviously now with Kapari down – because the and I think it's obviously smart that they did this to get him some Kings, get him some some reps. Um, it's something's going to have to give sooner or later, but enjoy it while you can because this is a dominant, dominant team to watch. All right, let's switch it up here. Let's go between the crease right here and in between the pipes. Uh, Kings have quite a few goalies in in uh, in the mix here, uh, bringing in Garrett Sparks, uh, the flow master, the lettuce man himself, and then you have Matt Velalta, who's who's increasing. Uh, in his third year as a pro, uh, Jacob Mingham and uh, and uh, Parik have also shown uh, some games uh, in there in the crease. I know Ingham started the season with the Swamp Rabbits. Still haven't got my jersey. Uh, <laughs> I'll get over it, I think. And uh, and so the team is 
quote unquote deep with with prospects that are on the cusp. No front runner to take the next spot after Cal Peterson, which has been the, the concern for us as as Kings fans. Where do you see this group shaking out? We talked. You talked a little bit about Velata being the most improved player from last year and the evolution, Joe. Uh, what have you maybe then maybe talk about what you've seen from the other goalie prospects and what have you liked uh, from their game? Uh, so I, it's, it's hard because they've played so few games. It, they've combined Sparks or excuse me, Sparks uh, uh, Ingham and Parikh have only played seven games in Ontario this year. So it's not a ton to go off of. I have not watched them in uh, the ECHL, to be frank. I, I kind of like Parikh's game. He he is to me. He brings a little bit like again. Volta is a very athletic goaltender, and Parik I think brings a little bit more of that quiet style to him, which I tend to gravitate toward. Um, kind of coming into the season, admittedly, I was like, I think Parik maybe could be a guy that by the end of the season has has maybe taken a closer step to being like kind of the next in line. I wouldn't say that's the case because I do think Volta is is playing well enough to to continue to be kind of. At the moment, he's probably the next one to get a consideration uh, in in goal. I don't know though. I don't know if I see, you know, I don't see, I don't know if I see a long term solution as an NHL starting goalie from him. We'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I'm interested to see if we can get see Parikh get a little bit more time at some point this season. I mean, I, I obviously they have, they have Volalta and, and Sparks and that's probably what they're going to run with, but I'd like to see a little bit more Parikh. Um, and perhaps next year's a year we see a lot more of him. What have you seen from the goalies there? Uh, Kiffin? Um, I, I like Volalta. I, I've been, I was pretty high on Volalta when he got, when he got drafted. Like I, I think he's great uh, in the system. And I think the, the, the building, not every position can be built from the ground up in on a team and building the team from from the ground up in goal at least is good you know we've seen jonathan bernie martin jones jonathan quick uh cal peterson i mean it happens all the time um i will say after Belalta, i i'm i'm not as confident i think that we need to go into the next couple of drafts looking for goaltending prospects um you know, really seeing what we think about going forward and where we see Jacob Ingham landing and Lucas Parikh landing. I, I well, mean, just before, been... before you finish, before you finish that thing, I want to say that the Kings did look this last draft. They talked about, uh, you know, they talked about moving up and back into the first round uh, around the 20 area to try to get Jasper. They didn't say a name. They said they're trying to move up in the 20s. I'm assuming they were talking about Jasper Wallstead because he fell into the draft. Um, we talked about, uh, I thought he was maybe a top 10 pick easily top six. I thought the Kings should have looked at him where they were taking Brant Clark. Uh, and so I think that the Kings know that there may be a little light in the, in the shorts, if you will, at that position, uh, no first round goalie talent this year. So maybe that's something they look at in future years. Uh, but definitely something that I think that's on their forefront of their mind. Go ahead yes. continue Kiffin. Uh, I, I will say, I, I don't think, I don't think that a, that first round goalie is entirely important. Um, I've never been convinced of that. I've never been convinced that a goaltender is the guy that you need to look for in the first round. There Marc-Andre Fleury's, I mean, for every Marc-Andre Fleury who can go, who can go in the first round, there's a Rick DiPietro. So, you know, I, like I was, I was looking, I I was looking it up while we were talking about it because I I had looked at it before. Uh, Maxime. Arefiev, I guess is his name. I'm probably butchering that, but um, you know, he's a goaltender out of Russia who, you know, runs uh, as of this year, he's running a 929 save percentage on a team that can't win. 
You know, the, he's, his record is 920 and one with a 929 save percentage. Like he's, he's playing well. He probably won't go in the first round. You know, it's players like that really doing, you know, really doing some searching and finding guys that, that Bill Ranford can take control of and create a different game or, you know, hone in on the game that they're playing is the way that goaltending is going to be fixed. Like I said, I, I like Cal Peterson. I, I really do think for all that I'm objectively critical of him over, I do think that he's 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 the man. You know, he's the guy who's taken over the crease and he should be and he's earned it. Um, I like Matt Velalta. I like Lucas Parikh. I, I I don't really like. Uh, I'm not I'm not hot on Jacob Ingram to be honest. So I'm hoping that he impresses me as time goes on. But I think that developing talent for goaltending is the best way to go over over anything else. I mean, if somebody if somebody comes available, you know, uh, then maybe look into it. Whatever is happening uh, in Washington between Samsonov and and Vanacek. You know, and I, I mean, I would well at the beginning of the season, I would have said maybe, but now I wouldn't be convinced that it would be a worthwhile to go to go after if one of them becomes available. But, you know, there's or, you know, Shisterkin and Gorgiev in New York or, you know, anything like that. Vishmelka is even impressing lately, but it's all about building it through building it through the pipeline rather than like kind of going out and looking for it, I think. For whatever it's worth, Pavel, who writes for uh, for Hockey Royalty, had a five hidden gems in the NHL draft uh, for folks that want to go check that out. And he mentions uh, Russian Sergei Ivanov, um, who is playing right now in St. Petersburg, 15-8-4. Uh, He's got a couple of shutouts, 931 save percentage. Um, doesn't seem to be somebody that's overly highly rated by the scouting system. So he could be like a mid or even late draft uh, draft pick for the Kings uh, that he, that he pointed out again. So I just figured I'd give a shout to uh, a potential gem that, uh, that Pavel found uh, in between the pipes. Yeah. Hockeyroyalty.com with all our articles are at. And yeah, I think I'm a little bit, a bit more of a fan of Perique over Ingham as well. Um, I just really liked what he did in the world juniors on a team that he had a shutout on a team that really couldn't do anything. Just getting peppered at over 50 shots a game and everything like that. Uh, you know, Trapper brings up here that he's not on the rain, uh, but the, uh, the Kings did draft Hugo Markinen, uh in the uh, 2020 draft in the fourth round uh, doing okay for Salpa. Um, actually he's doing uh, mediocre 3.27, 8, 873. He just got loaned to, uh, to Switzerland. So we'll see if he can, kind of uh, make that jump there uh, into the next level uh, with some more more room. But he's one of those athletic goalies, maybe somebody that the rain would look at uh, two or three years down the road. So let's move it on to the to the next topic here, which is be season predictions. Obviously, the rain are second uh, in the division, only one point behind the, the Stockton Heat. Uh, they have the number one uh, scoring offense in pretty much every single metric in the AHL, which bodes well for for the team. And we talked about it on the podcast on, on, on Tuesday, if the Kings are healthy, that means the rain are healthy and they're probably the deepest team uh, in the AHL. Wouldn't you agree, Kevin? I would, I would. Um, I could see, I could see the rain making a deep, deep run to the playoffs into the playoffs. If, if they, if they're given the space to operate, the health to operate, um, you know, I think that, Especially, you know, it's something I try to blind myself to when writing about the rain and when covering the rain is that eventually these guys are supposed to leave a lot of the time. Excuse me. Yeah, why he's cleaning that up. So season predictions, you know, as far as where the team's going towards the end of the year and if they stay healthy, they're definitely a Calder contender. 
no, no question. No question. Especially if they, they can shore up some of the penalty killing that we talked about. That's the one weakness that they have is the penalty killing. Uh, I mean, if people want to say, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider goaltending a weakness. I mean, I think Volalta has been fine. Uh, we just talked about that. So I think he's, he's, he's come along and, and evolved his game to the, uh, you know, he's taken a next step, if you will. So there's no question that this team is, is all the makings of, um, of a Calder Cup contender for sure. Um, I will say he, he what, top half in the league and goals against average. What's so that? Top, he's top half in the league, the entire sure. league. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, the, I think the, the it's there for the taking in terms of the division. They they have the opportunity to do that. They they listen. It's not going to be that easy. I mean, the team is built to do it. They're deep. They're extremely talented. So I think they certainly can. Um, so they, they have a chance to make a run. And I think selfishly living where I live in Rochester, New York, it would be a lot of fun to see them play the Rochester Americans uh, in the Calder Cup final, who you want to talk about another dangerous team. They've, they've scored only two less goals than the rain. That's a team that's going to put the puck in the net too. So if they were to meet in the finals, you're going to see some fireworks. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm excited about the rain's uh, second half of the season. And I think they're right up there among the, uh, the cup contenders. No question. Kevin, go ahead and finish what your your thought was, my man. My my thought was, you know, that uh, the the eventual goal of Ontario is to have their players go into the NHL, and that's fantastic, yeah. you know. But if the Kings are healthy, then all the best players that Ontario has right now have nowhere to go, except I think to the Calder Cup Finals. I mean, I I, I could see this team winning if they can get a get a grapple on that on that penalty kill, because you know. Penalty kill will win you games more often, I think, than the power play will. If they can grapple that, then I, I really see the rain as a favorite to win the Calder Cup, and I'd love I'd love to see them do it. Yeah, there's there's you know there's teams like the Stockton Heat who are right above us, and they have almost a ninety percent penalty kill. Um, you know, and so you have uh, you know those types of teams who are sound on on the special teams. That you know that's that's the de- definitely the area of of increase there, but. This team again is, is ultimately changing, as Trapper mentioned in in the in the uh, the chat there, and so you're looking at maybe Chromiak coming in, Faber coming in. This team could get ever more deep uh, and and make a quality run um, and everything like that. So, man, I I, I just I, I just want to see a deep run here for for this team. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. And and couldn't you imagine like just for the being a Kings fan, Kings getting the playoffs, Rainer in the playoffs. Uh, maybe a, a, a series win for the Kings and a, and a deep run for the Rain. Could could it not be better to be a fan at this point? Yeah, and you and well, and you're gonna you're gonna see the confidence. I mean, yeah. you know, you're gonna see the confidence blossom. You know, the 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 guys who came up from the 2015 Manchester Monarchs team. You know, after the Monarchs won the Calder Cup, like those guys had that that swagger, that championship swagger. Now, it didn't work out very well because the Kings needed to rebuild, but but they had it. They had that that X factor that is, we've been here, we've done it. I'm ready to take my next steps. And that that's what you're going to see, you know, as if if the Kings can make the playoffs and the Rain make a deep run, I mean, you're going to see a lot of competition for the for the very few spaces that we have available on this team. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. So, I mean, that does it for us, guys. Uh, as always, we are at HockeyRoyalty.com, writing articles every single day. I know there's going to be a little bit of a lull in the Kings action, so check out our rain action, action for the game. We're also going to be talking about uh, trade articles or prospect articles, as Joe mentioned, 
uh, from Pavel over in uh, in Russia and everything like that. And so we got a, a, a lot of members writing some quality content. Uh, we're looking to pump out two live podcasts every week. Uh, Making it rain is usually going to be on Wednesdays. Sometimes we have to, to move it around uh, uh, the schedule there. But Joe and I are going to be doing that most of the time. And then we're going to try to get the Kings content going every week. Kiffin's going to be popping in here every once in a while with his glorious beard and rock and roll attitude. And uh, <laughs> thank you for having coming on this week, man, man. We need to talk some music because uh, – uh, you got some good taste there, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, check out Russell always on Twitter. He's at the games. Uh, he's doing hangover, you know, Kings hangover content. If you missed the game, what went on there? That's a quality tweet. Uh, where can they find you, uh, Kiffin, on Twitter? Uh, find me on Twitter at McGinnis Teaches. And I'm at Rando Commando uh, 24. Uh, Joe had uh, uh, to bounce off real quick, and he's at JW Paterino on Twitter. Thank you guys so much. Always, we're doing these live shows coming in. And Trapper, man, some great content. You were the one that leading the way in the in the chat there, so appreciate you. Uh, you can find our podcast anywhere podcasts are sent. And as always, go Kings, go, go Rain, go. See you later, guys.